Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to our Champions League review show. We promised you we'd be bringing you more general football content and that's exactly what we're doing. And this show is brought to you by tvsportsblog.com. Head over to the website for fantastic content on all the upcoming sport events. You get predictions, you get previews, you get reviews, you get it all over at tvsportsblog.com. So please do head over there and check them out. On this edition, we're going to be looking back at the game that took place this evening, actually, between Real Madrid and Manchester City. It turned into an absolute cracker, really entertaining watch. And uh, we're also going to touch on Chelsea's somewhat embarrassing defeat at the hands of Bayern Munich on Tuesday night as well. So joining me to do that are two of my usual panellists. Uh, welcome back, Mr. Dan DeLuca. How are you doing? Yeah, good. How are you, Harry? Not too bad, my friend. Not too bad. And also joining us is Simon Alavi. How you doing, mate? I'm good. Thank you, sir. Good, good. Glad to hear everybody's well. Now, let's get stuck into it because it was a, an entertaining affair uh, at the Bernabeu. And I remember texting you, Alavi. Um, you know, you text me actually after the first half an hour and you said, that's as good of half an hour as I've seen in a nil-nil. And I wasn't really convinced. I felt that there was so much more to come from these two sides, two teams you know, blessed with plenty of attacking talent. How do you think, well, first of all, let's talk about Manchester City and the way they set up because Pep Guardiola sprung a bit of a surprise on everybody. Um, no Aguero, no David Silva, no Fernandinho in the side and De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva were almost playing like two centre forwards. Was you surprised to see Guardiola do that? And uh, what did you make of it? I was. I'm always hesitant when it comes to this sort of manager genius behind it all because... You know, the way they play is so fluid. I'm inclined to say those positions almost mean nothing when you begin the game. I think there was one instant of Jesus making a, a, a challenge at, you know, quite near a left-wing better position and everyone made a big deal out of, you know, Pep Guardiola getting everything right. Actually, it was quite fluid and Man City were the better side because the players performed and, and a few of those changes were actually forced. Sterling was injured, wasn't he? I think... Only Aguero was the one where he um, he decided not to. He opted not to. I was impressed with City, I have to say. Um, I picked them before to win the Champions League, but then again, I picked them to win the league. So um, I wouldn't go on any of my betting tips at the moment. Um, I thought Madrid were as equally as poor. But then when you look at their starting lineup, Varane, Ramos, Isco, Modric, and then I'm sort of struggling to sort of pick a pick any more players that stand out whereas before you could sort of name nine ten players um but you know going back to your original question yeah it surprised me but it's not like you know Sean Dyche's Burnley team and he's put you know Chris Wood in goal or something <laughs> like <laughs> that is just the way they play and um they've got a great result and it's be difficult to not see them go through now absolutely Dan you're not Pep Guardiola's biggest fan. Everybody who's listened to this show recently will know that. Was you surprised to see him outthink Zinedine Zidane? Because let's be fair, that's exactly what he did this evening. Um, no, I wasn't, um, to be honest. I think, um, obviously, he got it right. He picked a different team. He won the game. So that's, that's all the judgment you need. If he lost the game, you'd be questioning his selection. But... He's done this before in the Champions League. Um, he did it at Tottenham last year where he left um, De Bruyne out until the 89th minute. 
Um, he did some other weird things in that game as well with some strange selections. He did it the year before against Liverpool. So I wasn't as surprised as I would have been to see there were some big names there. You've got to bear in mind he's got a um, he's got a cup final on Sunday, so he probably had one eye on that as well. So you've got to factor that in. And he was away, so he knows he's got the home leg to come. So I think for him it was probably low-risk, high-reward. He had the players to change it if he needed to. Um, but yeah, he got it right and they, they dominated the game. Um, obviously as well, in terms of the, the result, like Aladdy said, it's not a Real Madrid side that dominated no. Europe three, four and six years ago or whichever way around it went. Um, if you look last year, you'd say they were on the wane in Europe. They got absolutely hammered by Ajax on their um, on their own turf, outplayed as well. And they've not really strengthened since then. Um, they've brought in Hazard, who's obviously not hit the ground running or wasn't wasn't in the start. He's, he's injured. He's injured. He got injured, yeah, he got, the got injured last to, week. They last lost, week got, didn't he? People forget they came to the back of this game off a loss and a draw to to Celta Vigo and a yeah. loss, I think, to Levante at the weekend. Was it you, so? You look at the players you highlighted there on that. You know, two of them are, are the wrong side mm. of thirty as yeah. well. Um, so, I mean, lineup wise, I think Pep Guardiola knew he had a bit in hand, and um, yeah, it worked out. So. Can't really argue with it. I actually think it, that that was a foul for the goal. I, we're gonna we're uh, gonna come on to that in a sorry, minute. We're go gonna on, go on. we're gonna come on to that in a minute. Let's start uh, with the uh, overall. What what I would say is I haven't seen a better game in Europe since. Would you say Chelsea Valencia Harry? Do you remember the two all in November that we thought was brilliant, mm. like enthralling? Uh, I honestly really enjoyed that game. Like. Yeah, it was a, it, it was a good watch. It was an entertaining watch. Um, you know, the second half it burst into life because I thought the first half was a little bit lackluster, if I'm honest. And you know, I know we disagreed on this during the game. I didn't see what the hype was about in the first half. I saw two teams, you know, one who'd sprung a bit of a tactical surprise, had held their own, but hadn't really created a great deal away from home on their travels. And I saw a home side who never really grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck. And that frustrated me a little bit because, you know, Real Madrid have this opportunity at the Bernabeu to get a result to take back to the Etihad. And it was as if they were a little bit passive in that first period. And I, as someone who I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say, it, I wanted Real Madrid to win. I never want the other English teams uh, to do better than mine in Europe. So I wanted Real Madrid to win that. So I was frustrated to see the way that they came out and the way they started the game. Let's let's run through the, the major incidents of the game. Let's start with the Isco goal. Um, Vinicius does brilliantly to to dispossess Carl Walker there. The commentator, I think it was Darren Fletcher, he said something like he had he couldn't really miss from there, Isco. I completely disagree. I think to take that touch and to put it right sort of just inside of the post, the way he did, I thought that took a lot of skill and I th thought it took a lot of composure under the circumstances. Alavi, do, would you agree? Yeah, I think you know what I think of. Isco, I've made no secret on that of that over the years. Um, I think those great players make those things look easy. But the biggest compliment I could probably give Isco is, as I saw that, I expected him to score. Um, it's it is about composure, and that's exactly what he's got. And he's and the one thing I would say which counteracts that are both Dan's point and my point earlier is. With, with less players that stand out for Madrid, he's almost able to shine that little bit more because Modric will always shine because he's, he's Luka Modric. But 
he's able to shine. You know, it was it McManaman pointing out that Benzema had 17, 18, 19 touches. And, you know, so I think the only positive of playing in that team is that Isco will be able to shine. Now, he's not going to just be rotated with Gareth Bale every other game like he was a couple of years ago. No, absolutely great finish. Um, no, wonderful player. And um, I actually, I actually don't think he's lived up to even what I thought he would go on, go on to be. Uh, De Luca, it was a, a calm, composed finish. Do, you know, do you agree that that Isco deserves a little bit more credit for that than he's probably getting? I think he deserves a bit more credit overall than he's getting. I think that I think that's the point. I think he's one of these players who, <clears throat> you know was really good for a long time. Then he had that season where he was absolutely exceptional and then he's not really followed that up. He, you know, he top quality players at his level, they normally peak and they have three or four consistent seasons. I feel with Isco, he, he's had one exceptional season and has not quite lived with it. So I think there's a lot of that attached to him where people have almost forgotten how good he is. Um, so sometimes he doesn't get the credit he deserves necessarily because of that reason. Um, but he is an exceptional player and it's crazy to think that every... Every summer you keep hearing, well, he could go to this club, he could go to that club. And it's weird with Madrid, who are now an ageing side, they haven't built their team around him off the back of that. You know, that Gareth Bale has been injured for, you know, for the best part of three seasons. You know, he, he's, he's not the one. Modric is, is, is clearly old. Benzema's old too. And they had a number 10 there to build around. And I don't understand why they haven't done it. I just don't... What? Go, go ahead, mate. No, go ahead, mate. Sorry, go on. No, I'm saying I don't see what I don't see what they're doing with him or why. And likewise, I don't see why he's happy with this situation either. Um, but you know, I've never seen him play. I've never seen him play a bad game. You know, I've never watched him. I thought well, he's he he he's past it. He's just um, he must be really frustrated not getting a constant run of games or not having a period where he's the main man. Because when I look at that midfield from an attacking perspective, I don't see a better player in there. No, he, he didn't have a bad game at Malaga, was it? Yeah, let alone guys, class man. It's um, it's a big week though, isn't it, for Zinedine Zidane because they of course yeah, yeah. take on uh, Barcelona exactly at the Bernabeu on Sunday, eight o'clock kickoff UK time. So if you want to check that one out, uh, do so. Let's get into the juicy stuff now. Jesus, of course, equalised. Jesus equalised for Real uh, for almost a Real Madrid there for Manchester City but it was somewhat controversial the goal and I know you know there wasn't a a big deal made out of it at the time there wasn't I know the VAR would have reviewed it because they review every goal but there was no lengthy delay there was no constant checking of the situation but when I watch it I see two hands on the back of Sergio Ramos and I don't know how the referee has allowed that to go. I mean, Dan, you're—I'm guessing that you would give the goal. <laughs> you want to tell us why? Would I give the goal? Of course, I'd give the goal. He scored a goal. <laughs> why, why? Why do we not want people to score goals anymore? I don't understand this. Was he it actually was a foul? It's a foul. Foul. It's not a foul. Come on, man. Let's be he's real. Tu- Come on. He's touched his back. He's Dan, barely. He's barely even touched him. And, Ramos has done his backward arching flop that we've seen time and time and time again because he's a shit house who gets players sent off when they're fawning up in the finals with five minutes left and there's no need, and he's thrown himself to the floor. It's, you know, you're allowed. How, to how's that any different to Man U Chelsea the other day? What's this now? 
the push. Menu Chelsea. Like, I mean, that was a that was a shove, like a proper shove. Where he, you can see the force in his hands. He's fallen forward. I mean, you're doing this now. I can see biceps there. Sorry, yeah, big <laughs> that was a deliberate muscles. And if you turn muscles, and someone's going to disallow a goal, I mean, come Deluca, on, Deluca, Deluca. These are athletes. It, my, answer me this as honestly, if or as honestly as uh, as you can of what you feel about this. First of all, all right, let's carry this by if there's no VAR, that doesn't even get reviewed or looked at, okay? So I, I'll take that back. I'll take that as a point, right? I can't argue against that. However, he does not win that header without pushing. And to add to what Alavi's saying... That's my point. That's add to what Alavi's saying as well, Deluca, if, there's, if the push has had no impact on his gaining of a position, then why has he done it? Why has he put two hands on Sergio Ramos there? What is the need? What has he used those hands for? Is he done it to anticipate Ramos coming into him? Is that the argument here? Why would he put two hands out onto Sergio Ramos's back if he's not gaining anything from doing a li- it? A little, a little bit of contact, a little shoulder barge, a little uh, minor push. These are all things allowed within the referee's discretion. But you cannot gain an advantage like so, he did. But, but That's what I'm foul. Looking, so how I see that situation is a minor is a minor push that once the ball has gone past Ramos, he's decided to try and buy a foul, and the ref has been wise to it. That's oh how I God. see. You're going to tell me it wasn't that. a penalty next. No, I'm not going to go that far. But <laughs> uh, but that's 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 what I see there. I see a guy who has misjudged the flight of the ball. And he's using a touch on his back to throw himself on the floor to get him out of trouble. That's how I see that situation because you are. This I can't deal with this no contact stuff. Like you, I would say what Jesus. That's is not doing what there. I said. That's not what I said though. That's not what I said about contact. I yeah, said but, a, a little shot. You know, a tiny shove. A little just get him jostling for position. You know, a little yeah, barge. But I would say like, Hez, a ball's strength. coming in. You're a striker, and a ball's oh, coming come in on, for you to head. And you've got a little bit of space to work in, and he's protecting his space. You, you just did the motion there, protecting. Yeah, he's, protecting. He's, literally... he's allowed to. <laughs> you're allowed to do that. Okay, so <laughs> so okay, guys. So so the argument here is that Alavi's saying, what has he gained from it? He's gained something. He's gained the position. He's gained Ramos not challenging him. Therefore, he's gained an advantage by Through committing the a foul. Force of the push. Therefore, he shouldn't be allowed. And Deluca, you're saying that he's just protecting the space that he's trying to work in. Is that come is on, that Harry? Right? You got to decide then, vote. I, I look. I'm kind of on the fence with this one because oh, shock. No, well, no. It, you know, can I ask one when, question. Can I ask one question before you summarise. Go ahead. Is Ramos? Is Ramos standing in the right place? That's nothing to do with it. Of course, That's it is absolutely nothing. Because it explains the situation. Off. You can't he's bring not, his positioning sense not, into it. Of course, it. you can. Of course, again, because he's oh, not in the oh. right place defensively. So he is walking backwards into a forward who is already there. And the forward is protecting his space to head the ball into the goal. And people want to disallow that. You defend goal side. Right. Let's, let's, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. So my take on it is a, a little bit of a, a less extreme one, because I think that he has put his hands out. He has put his hands on Ramos's back. And so if that was my team that he was doing that against, I'd be screaming all over the place for a foul because like Alavi says, I feel like he's gained an advantage there. And even if the advantage is only what you're saying, DeLuca, which is him 
protecting his space. It's still an advantage that he's gained from putting two hands on the defender's back. So I would be frustrated by it. But where I will sort of uh, acknowledge what Deluca is saying and, and take on board is that the contact is minimal. The force is minimal. And therefore, it would be harsh, probably, to rule it out. So, uh, I, you know what? I'm not going to have the deciding vote. We're going to let you guys in the comments have the deciding vote. Was Gabriel Jesus's goal legal or illegal? Did he foul Sergio Ramos in the build-up to that? Let us know in the comments, and uh, we'll come back to some of those um, a little bit later on. Or we'll give you the night, actually, to yeah. round them up. And we'll, <laughs> Aladdin, we'll put them on Aladdin, Twitter you, tomorrow. Go on. You're, a full, you're a Formula One fan. Yeah, well... Yeah. As, why don't you watch Formula One? Yeah, yeah, Formula yeah. One and guys, we don't want, every, guys, yeah, we don't want everyone yeah. to switch off. Yeah, we don't want everyone <laughs> yeah. to switch off. Go yeah, on. go on. <laughs> it's either Formula One or the I know what you're going to say about that. Yeah, yeah, you're, alla yeah, but you, you're allowed to defend your line, aren't you? You are, correct. Yeah, and that's my point. Ramos is not in the place a defender should be, and he's backing in, and Jesus is allowed to defend himself. I know it's a different sport. I know you're in a car, but if you crash a car, you, you crash and die. This is, this is small potatoes compared to that. You, you've got to be allowed to defend your space. Look, there's more obvious decisions that I've seen refs get wrong this season. But that is my opinion. I do think he's gained an advantage. Just like I don't think it was the most obvious red card ever, but I think he should have got sent off. OK, but we're going to come on to that decision. One decision okay. at a time. Um, okay, let's, sorry. Let's, let's move on to the penalty. I'm assuming that nobody <laughs> not, has... Come on, come on. That nobody <laughs> <Move> has <laughs> any, discussion, any discussion points about that. Deluca penalty for you? Yeah, afraid so. Yeah, oh, it's a pen. On, it's a pen all day long. We're going to move on from that one swiftly. Then <laughs> Ramos is sending off Alavi. Seen as you jumped the gun, your take oh, on on that been, incident? It is a red card, right? Before. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, sure you yeah. have. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Again, I'm going to go seventy-five twenty-five with both decisions. Like I can't argue and uh, make the point that they're just you know, clear as day and I'd be absolutely fuming either way. But yeah, I, I would say on the balance of play, that's a, that's a red card. It's, there's enough contact for him to go down. It's quite clear. He's from goal. I have to give the ref credit because he's made some tough decisions there. I, I actually thought it was a penalty fight when I first saw it. In, in a hostile crowd, Harry, you've been away to Europe before. I've been away to Europe in the last year or so. These aren't these aren't crowds where it's easy to make these big, big decisions um, against. So no, I, thought, I, th I thought it was a red. I think when you're talking about inside or outside the box, the introduction of VAR can help you on that. So I w yeah. as a referee, I wouldn't. Quite, he was quite quick. The ref was very quick. So yeah, he was. But no, as, it a, was a as a referee, I wouldn't hesitate to give it inside or outside, knowing that VAR is there. And that's yeah, something that's they true. can essentially yeah, that's I mean, look, Ramos has had 20, what, 20, that's his 24th red card now or something. He didn't I think put it was up his much 26. of an Sorry, sorry. He did put up much of an argument, did he? No. And, he, and that he, guy argues about the coin toss. <laughs> he, he had a night to forget, didn't he, Sergio Ramos? Dan, yeah. um, are you in agreement, red card? I think I'm going to need some, I'm going to need some more wine, I think, if I'm honest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't want to upset your following again. I don't know what I don't your following think if I'm honest, but is that really a red card? Come on. Really? Is it what more for? of a red card than the penalty? Uh sorry, not the penalty. The um the, the goal the being a shove. Yeah, I I think well, I think the shove is like 
one percent more than that. Maybe like I don't know five percent. But fucking hell, it's like I don't. What's he done? Again, what's he done? He he's behind. He's the wrong side. He's the wrong side. He's chasing up. He, you know, defenders do that, and he's thrown himself to the floor. Like I kind of hoped with the video that this sort of this sort of dive where players get sent off would have been eradicated. I thought a referee would look at that on the video and say, "Why well, didn't yeah, a ref go and look at it like last night?" Yeah, I don't know, but That's I was hoping I that get. situation. Why? But... Why would he know? It is <clears throat> the, the thing is in that situation. If you're a centre half and you've Put yourself in the situation where you're running back towards your own goal. He's the wrong side of you. The minute there is any contact, that foul is always going to be given. Whether it's a hack, whether you've just tangled legs, yeah, whether they, they the point is, always... once you've given them a foul, you have to give the red, right? Yeah, but that's the right? bit I don't agree with. That's the well, bit that needs to change. That's what has it, to change. But because... that's the rule. Yeah, but the rule, that's what has to change. Because that rule it encourages a player to throw yourself on the floor and get someone sent off, which is that's what's happened. Let's not pretend. You know, if the referee decides that that on the arm is a foul because Ramos has got no chance of getting the ball, so he's got no right to touch him, I'm fine with that. Whereas in the Jesus situation, I think Jesus has got the right to touch him. Why Why hasn't the ref gone over then and had a look? You saw how I, quick it was implemented yesterday. Yeah, Chelsea, I don't, buy, um, Chelsea I, buy Maybe like Harry says, he, he's, he knows what the rule is. He thinks it's that clear and he doesn't need to. But I was kind of mm. hoping that the video the video facility would stop this sort of stuff out. So if you're saying Ramos has got no chance of getting the ball, shouldn't be putting his hand on his arm, therefore it's a foul. Well, I'm kind of fine with that. But Jesus has made a choice to go to the floor. He's not been knocked to the floor. So the red card... Yeah, that, that, is, that's that's the, the debate, card, isn't it? Right, so, but the red card is... The point of the red card in this situation is you're stopping a goal-scoring opportunity. Ramos hasn't, Ramos hasn't stopped the goal-scoring opportunity. Jesus has stopped the goal-scoring opportunity by throwing himself to the floor. He didn't need to throw himself to the floor. He's taken a conscious decision to no, throw himself yeah, to the floor. Yeah, but that's the, that's the whole point, Luca. That's the whole point. In the, in the referee's eyes, that contact has prevented Jesus. Jesus doesn't throw himself on the floor if yeah, that contact isn't there. We, we're football men, right? And the listenership are clearly football men as well, all right? So if you look where that ball's going... If Jesus had any chance of getting that ball, he would not have thrown himself to the floor. And it's straight into the goalkeeper's arms. I expect the referees on you know looking at the video to be smart and see what's happened there. They need to okay. understand well, I, I they need to Dan's... understand what's happened because it's two one away from home. He's got a chance to make it three one. He's not going to the floor. He can't reach the ball. He's had a little touch and he's thrown himself. So if you think it's a foul, then fine. But we shouldn't be sending people off for that because nothing he's not nothing's happened and it just encourages it's bad enough with all this consistency stuff we have now oh, what about this game here what about that decision there and it never ends and actually I think I think I kind of agree with you where you're saying that, that I I don't I agree with you that you, when so you're, you're saying sit on the fence again basically no 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 I, I agree with him when he says that is it preventing a goal-scoring opportunity? That should be looked at because if Jesus isn't getting the ball if you feel that he isn't getting the ball and you can make a reasonable judgment on that, then you're not preventing a goal-scoring opportunity, are you? We can't just say that every foul that is the last man is preventing a goal-scoring opportunity. That's that's what Dan's essentially saying, and I think he's got a bit of a point there. Um, for me, it's a record. I'm not changing my mind, but I can see where you're coming from in the sense that we have the video facility now, so why don't we use it to better effect and look in a little bit more detail... But then it comes back to that point again, doesn't it? People will say it's taking too long because by the time you look at 
where the ball's going and make a judgment as to whether you think he's going to get it or not. All of those things take time. And then we're going to have people moaning that the VAR is taking too long again. I don't think anyone moaned last night, Harry. I think everyone was okay with how that was um, implemented last night. But yeah, last quick. last night, absolutely, in the Champions League last night. But we're talking about VAR in general. And, you know, we watch the Premier League week in, week out. And we're always, well, some people more than others are always complaining about VAR and looking for any excuse to, to, to have a go at it. Um, you know, and it just, it's this culture of we have to be outraged about everything and it's just getting stupid at the moment let's move on to um the the game on tuesday night between chelsea and Bayern munich now we were talking in our whatsapp group the other day lads about cliches that we hate in football and this is one of the oldest cliches in the book but it really was men against boys wasn't it dan yeah it, yeah it was um predictable if i'm honest um, having seen Bayern Munich close up a couple of times this season, um, which didn't end didn't end very well for um, for Tottenham at all, um, and I think without if you're Chelsea, the best hope you've got in that game is Ngolo Kante is an absolute weldy and stems the flow from time to time. He wasn't playing. Um, yeah, and from first, I was going to say that. Yeah, from yeah. I mean, even then, I, I mean, I still think they lose the football match, but you've got a chance with that sort of quality player in that sort of position to, to help break the play up a little bit or at least control control the territory a bit better. But I don't think they had any hope, if I'm honest. Um, I don't think tactically Frank Lampard tried to adjust at all at any point in the game, um, which maybe he didn't have the tools at his disposal, so I'm not, I'm not going to have a go at him. But it was just a different class of football team, if I'm honest. You, you look at the Premier League this season, there are two... One runaway team, one team who has got the quality to challenge but hasn't. And if you look how bunched up the other teams are with Leicester being an anomaly, there's a reason those teams are so bunched up. And it's because none of them are that good this season. So when you're coming up against something like the force of Bayern Munich, like we've seen this season in in the Champions League particularly, you're in you're in massive trouble. I know they scored the most goals in the group stage, didn't they, Bayern? Um, Lewandowski's in the form of his life again. Ten, ten past Tottenham? Didn't they put ten past Tottenham in the group they stage? They did. They put ten past Arsenal last time, wasn't they? Um, I don't know what you're talking about. It's too long. Different, ago, different too competitions. Long yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> They're but, playing tomorrow. But yeah, and yeah, and you see like, you know, you've got Serge Nabry in, in massive form, which obviously will be quite upsetting for, for, for some people listening because you look at players like that and that sums up what Bayern Munich are, if I'm honest. I was talking about um, Nabry to you the other day and I don't blame Arsenal for that. I don't blame Wenger for letting him go. But he slots into this machine of a system and he looks like a world beater. That's what you're up against. Um, so after the form they're in this season, you need to have all your players fit. You need to play very, very well. You need to be in really good form. Um, Chelsea were none of those things and they, they weren't really at the races. It's interesting it's, it's, it's as well. Gone. Sorry, gone. just... No, just no, to come in on the Nabry point, because I know a lot of of our listeners are Arsenal fans. And, you know, I put out a tweet yesterday um, during the game after Nabry scored those two goals. And I said, I, I can't believe that we sold this guy for chump change. And it is really frustrating when you look back on it. But interestingly, Arsene Wenger was on Being Sports last night um, as a pundit. I don't know if anybody's seen it. And Arsene Wenger was talking about the situation. Um, he was asked about it. And he said that... We, we didn't want to let Gnabry go. He said that 
Arsenal had put an offer on the table, but he said that he wanted to join Werder Bremen. He wanted to leave. He didn't want to sign a new contract. But it wasn't actually Werder Bremen buying him. It was Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich had funded the thing so that they could then, three, four, whatever months it was down the line, take Serge Gnabry from there. So, you know, really interesting to hear that Bayern Munich went to those lengths to get the player. He obviously knew that's where he was headed when he left because you don't leave Arsenal for Werder Bremen. No, I think um, I think in Arsenal's case here, yeah, I think they've been a little bit unlucky. Um, but I think they probably chose they chose poorly with a club he was loaned at. Loaning him at that time to West Brom is probably not the best chance for you to get a look at what he's good at, especially the style of football Arsenal were playing. Whereas if it was nowadays, there's a lot less teams who play like West Brom. You know, you could loan him out to you know Wolves or you know Tony Pulis is West Brom as well. Tony, yeah, Pulis exactly, exactly. So. I think that's probably a poor choice. And I think Arsenal got unlucky in that respect. But, you know, you look now, I mean, Pepe might come good. But you spent 70 million on Pepe. You'd have to spend that to get Nabry back and looking at it. I mean, that's just how it works. Sometimes you, sometimes it just doesn't work out and you get unfortunate in them situations. But Do you not think we sometimes underestimate teams like Bayern and the side that obviously beat Spurs as well because we don't see them? Week in, week out. Like, I, I, I hold my hands up. I don't watch the German league, but I look at that left back last night. I look at um, yeah, I mean, Kingsley, Kingsley, Dave, Kingsley, Davis, Bowman, Kingsley uh, Coleman, his Coleman, Kingsley Coleman. Um, all right, Lewandowski, we, we all know about. I don't think we give them the credit just because we don't see them week in, week out. And I saw this with Ajax, like you know, obviously last year. Um, so, you know, they're now favourites for the Champions League. I just think yeah, we just I don't think, see them that often. So we I think there's elements of that. Them. But yeah. there's also, I watch I watch highlights of every league in all sorts of weird countries. I don't regularly watch 90 minutes of German games, but Bayern Munich, at, you know, until recently this season, have been fourth in the German league behind teams like Munchen, Gladbach. And, you know, when you see uh, that yeah, sort of feedback but that's coming back that's always been close, though, that but, league. Like, no, but you it's look, been a matter you know, of points. But if you're not watching every week, you look at the league mm. table and you think, oh, Bayern Munich are fourth. They must be having a bad season. Let's not forget Bayern Munich have sacked their manager this year, like in between yeah. winning 7-2 in Tottenham, which is a pretty standard result, really, if you look at the quality of Tottenham this season. But, you know, they, they're obviously not tip-top. We've seen them last year against Liverpool and they, they stunk the place out, if I'm honest, when they played Liverpool last year. They were appalling. But if I like make a, a comparison to Red Bull Leipzig, Bayern Munich and Red Bull Leipzig, they're very similar. Dortmund are the same way. I think it almost doesn't matter what players you play there because the system is so good. Like, I watched yeah, Red Bull yeah. run Spurs around the park for 90 minutes the other day and I've watched mm. the game and I could barely tell you which of their players were any good. Like, none of their players were exceptionally good. You know, one or I two. Think, but they've got I think a style it, of play that is just relentlessly good. Yeah, I think... Simple. I think that there's there's a couple of things. I think that, first of all, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to anybody, but I think there is a higher level of, um, what's the word? I, I think there's a bigger emphasis on tactics and systems in the European game than there is in the Premier League. Yeah, it always has been. Um, always has been, ag agreed. I think that it's, a case, it's partly because we don't watch them every week. Maybe we don't appreciate how good they are. But I also think, it, also think it's partly that we overrate 
some of the players that we have here. Now, take Reese James, for example. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but he's a young fullback coming through that people have been raving about all season. And then he comes up on the opposite side to somebody like Alfonso Davis, who, let's be honest, most of us hadn't seen anything of. We'd probably seen the name on Bayern Munich team sheets no, here and yeah, there. But he was on another planet, Therese James. So Beast. maybe, yeah, maybe it's partly that we, we don't really watch enough of them to know how good they are. But I also think that we overrate some of the players that we have coming through here when actually in the, the bigger picture, they're not actually that great. But do you know. think we can, we can take that same sort of, you know, idea of thinking and methodology and maybe um, you could use that when we're discussing our managers as well. So going back to Dan's first point, is the, you know, the German equivalent of Frank Lampard a lot better? Because you said that Frank Lampard didn't have much choice to um, uh, during the game, Dan. Actually, I think if you don't know you don't have Kante, you need to play a completely different system because a bit like Arsenal and Aubameyang, he's the one player where you just don't want to miss. So do we do we overrate someone like Lampard? And actually, these these managers at Munich are are just as good, but we don't have we don't we don't see them week in week out, so we don't see that they've probably maybe encountered a similar problem to what Lampard did last night, but are more tactically astute to do something about it. But I thought that like, what? But what do you do then? Do you, like Lampard played with three centre halves yesterday, essentially, to try and and make him his team tougher in the middle. I, I think you you play slightly more defensive. You don't. You, you have to compensate for what Kante. How much more? Team. How much more defensive could you be then playing three centre halves and two wing backs? And then you know, if you don't have the personnel to replace Jorginho or Kovacic, what do you do? Bring a play two holding I mean, midfielders. I mean, I, I mean? I, yeah, but if you don't have them, I, I don't particularly rate Frank Lampard. You know, I I thought he started this season really well. I think the problem with Chelsea this season has been that they look as though they're starting to make progress they win a game and then they have a, a couple of setbacks in games that they shouldn't I'm not saying last night was one of those cases because Bayern Munich are heads and shoulders above them in terms of quality but what I would say is they beat Spurs at the weekend and then it's like a setback again and he can't seem to get them going on a run and you know I, I don't know Dan am I being harsh but I I just think that Frank Lampard is a little bit out of his depth in this job and I think the longer we see him in it, the more that's going to come to the forefront. Um, again, I think it's a combination of things. So um, when <clears throat> don't talk about Spurs too much on a, on, on, on here, but when Bayern Munich battered Tottenham, if you're talking about them getting battered, you can talk about it all night, mate. <laughs> okay, well, Tottenham got battered seven soon. I'm sure lots of people enjoyed it. Um, actually, for the first 35, 40 minutes, I was speaking to you and I said Tottenham are. Tottenham are as good as these, and they were, and then it all fell to rat shit in the second half. So it was obviously premature with that. But I was looking at it, and the game finished, and I said, thought to myself, well, is Nico Kovac a better manager than Mauricio Pochettino? And the answer has got to be no. He's not. He can't be. And he was sacked two weeks later, which was which was ironic. But is he a better manager? Probably, probably not. But these clubs, they have a DNA that bleeds through them. You could take anyone out of that dugout and put most other people in. They'll play the same way. You can take one or two or play one or two of their players away and they play the same way. Um Manchester City are sort of in that in that space right now where you know you could slot someone in that midfield and it, it wouldn't change an awful lot. Um 
Liverpool probably the same. Some of <clears throat> some of Arsenal's teams in the past, where you know some of the some of the youngsters come through, even people like um, I don't know, years and years ago, you just pick. You know, Vieira left, and yeah, Fabregas was an exceptional player. But when he was brought in, he was only eighteen, but he slotted straight in instantly um, because the team was set and there was not too much disruption. Teams like Bayern Munich, if you look over the years, you know, every summer there's never more than one or two first team players that leave. There's never more than one or two first team players that come in. It's it's very minimal disruption. It's very continuous, but they keep it fresh at the same time. So that's what I think. You know, I think if you look at a game like that, if you swap the managers over, do you think the result would be the same? Um, probably. Interesting point. Alavi? Sorry, go ahead, Dan. Yeah. Sorry, you cut out there. No, no, no I was just saying. Finish your point, mate. Yeah, no, I was just saying. So I've not seen anything from Frank Lampard that makes me that impressed so far in his managerial career. Um, but there, much of that is down to the situation and and the and the system he's inherited, and then then there are the things that make managers great if you can transform a club, which goes on to the, back to the debate we had a couple of weeks ago about Pep. But yeah, anyway, look, I think we we all had preseason pod. We all said that he was going to be out his debt. I don't think that's changed. Here's another question: Why did Chelsea fight tooth and nail to overturn the transfer ban? to then not sign anybody. Yeah, that is... I can't get my head around that. Oh, honestly, sorry. Makes no sense, does it? <laughs> I they, don't have an answer. They literally <laughs> fought tooth and nail to get that ban overturned, to then sign nobody and actually put more pressure on themselves. Had they not over had that ban overturned, had they not battled to have that done, then there would have been no pressure on Frank Lampard because but everybody would Lampard, have... But it's Frank Lampard. Point. Sorry, Harry. It's Frank Lampard saying... I'm I'm not going to be under pressure because I didn't sign anyone. Because if I sign someone, I'm then under pressure. To no, what, what this I'm, is my free season with kids. I don't know. What I'm saying though, it was a free season because of the transfer ban, wasn't it? That's why yeah. Frank Lampard ultimately, I think, got the job. That's why Frank Lampard is going to be given so much sort of leeway in this job. But then to, to for the club to then fight so hard to get that ban overturned. And then them not sign anybody. What that's done is the fact that they could sign, if you know what I mean, has then put the pressure back on Lampard when he didn't actually have any on him in the first place. And I think no, it's worth against play, him. No, because he can play the whole card of, I want a season with the kids. I'm being fair to the youth system. You know, people swallow that stuff. I know what I, you mean, but people I don't do swallow so. that rhetoric. <clears throat> Dan, do you see where I'm coming from? Do you think that I they've added pressure from. on themselves? Yeah, it, prob it, it probably... It's unnecessary pressure because he's lost one of his cards, hasn't he? So it's a good point. He always had that card to say, well, I couldn't sign anyone. Well, actually, you could. Um, I think the reality is that the January window is, is an absolute shit show. And, you know, Chelsea wanted a striker. Tottenham wanted a striker. Man United wanted a striker. The only one who signed one had to go to China and bring back Odi and Agarlo. Um, so that's what you're dealing with. So... It doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, if Manchester City appealed their UEFA ban and got it reduced and then just didn't enter the Champions League anyway, it's, you know, it's fucking ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I don't understand why they why they appealed not to sign anyone, but they must have had some ideas that didn't come to fruition. But back to Lampard, agree completely. That, to me, is probably the only reason he got the job. Um, or another theory I've had is Abramovich's 
He's not been in the country for 12 months. He's not invested as much as previous years. He, I don't know the bloke clearly, but he seems to be getting bored. And I wonder if he thought having Lampard in as a patsy who keeps fans quiet for a year or two while he works out his options is probably an element of that as well. Yeah. Uh, just rounding up on that game, guys. Um, Alonso red card. Anybody got any complaints about that? We saw VAR used properly, in my opinion. The official went over, checked it. Alavi, you you okay with no. the red card there? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Luca swing an arm. Yeah. I've got a feeling that you're going to think otherwise. It wasn't that bad, was it? It was. Oh, I don't. It, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It, I get the red card. I'll accept the red card. But it, I mean, it wasn't that bad. You know, I, the, the way I'm, I've seen, I've seen it, heard it spoken about since is like, you know, he's been clotheslined from the top <laughs> rope, and you know, it wasn't that bad. It, but it, it was, was red. It, it was silly. It was the equivalent of when a player flicks a leg out on the floor when he's just been fouled, and he has to be sent off, and you accept it. So, but it I think, wasn't that bad. I think the the decision that Frank, well, not the decision because the decision was the correct one, but I think the incident Frank Lampard would have been more frustrated about at the time was the the yellow card that Jorginho picked up, which means he misses the second leg. Of course, the game wasn't over the way it is now at that point. Yeah. Um, but but Jorginho to pick up a yellow card for essentially shouting in the referee's face was completely unnecessary. And I'm sure uh, Frank would have had words with him about that. Um, just one final point, guys, and I'm just going to, we're going to make this quick just because we're conscious of time. Um, a player that obviously came on for Bayern Munich uh, last night is Felipe Coutinho, left Liverpool to join Barcelona. In many ways, helped Liverpool a great deal because they used the funds wisely. And well, now look at them. Uh, but he's out of favour at Bayern Munich now, where he's on loan. Is there still a player in there, Alavi? Would you, if you were a Premier League club, would you take a punt on, on Felipe Coutinho? Because surely there's still something there. Yeah, I think I rated him very highly. And I think just sometimes people don't adjust to certain leagues. They like being the, the main player in certain teams. It could be a positional thing. It, you know, it could be like many factors. You know, I, if... Sabalos and Lacelso were two players I rated extremely highly in Spain and they probably haven't done brilliantly here so far. So it just shows that sometimes in a different league, you know, you won't always do well. I'll take a punt. Would I, uh, Spurs an Arsenal, why not? Wouldn't you have him? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. You would have had him in the summer, wouldn't you, when he was linked? Yeah, I'd have had him in the summer. Yeah, definitely. But I think it, it all depends on the, the price and the the numbers, doesn't it? Because if getting him is going to handicap you in doing maybe business that's a little bit more urgent, then you're going to say no. But, you know, he's a great player and and, and that's that, I guess. Um, guys, I'm going to leave it there. Um, we've run over, as we always do, but that's just standard for us these days. Um, big thank you to every single one of you who's tuned in and watched us live. To those of you listening back on the audio later on, don't forget to leave us a review. You know the drill by now. And if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and hit that like button. It is really, really important. We'll be back uh, in the next couple of days with more. I don't even know when. My brain's gone mad. Um, but we'll be back soon with more content. And until then, take care.